I have to begin this morning with a few words of thanks. I don't want to take much time doing that, but I'm grateful. Grateful for what we just heard and grateful for what we've heard all the way up to this point today with music. Talked to Brother Brett a few weeks ago and let him know some of the things that senior adults had said they liked, and he's woven a lot of that in today, and this special was part of that as well. So uh, I want to say thank you for the music. Thank you for being here and for giving me this privilege uh, to share today. Pastor David, thank you for surrendering your stage. I don't see a pulpit here, but stage anyway. Your time to let me preach. And thank you for letting me serve here. And I think I speak for the senior adult uh, ministry. We talked about it last night at our banquet. They want to change our title. If you read your Alabama Baptist this week, we're no longer going to be senior adults. That's too labeling. We're going to be legacy people now. Okay. So, uh, but I want to say in behalf of the legacy ministry and the senior adult ministry, we appreciate all of your support. And last night was very much a, a provision of this church. Uh, which the senior adults are a part, of course, but uh, a time to honor and to recognize and celebrate, and we're very grateful for that. You have your bulletin today, and it has just a brief outline in it, some scripture references. We're going to get some scripture here on the screen and, and talk about that. Uh, I hope you'll make some notes. Something will be there uh, that you'll want to remember and write down and, and uh, challenge yourself with. Uh, uh, Bible's in the pew as well. If you'd like to have your own Bible in hand, I'm going to be using the King James Version today, so they're not exactly the same version, but uh, I want you to follow with me in God's Word, and let's see what God has to say to us today about a disciple that's labeled as a doubter, but I think from that label and his experience, we can learn from Thomas discoveries from him that will apply to our lives, and that's, that's the point of what I want to share with us here today is what we can apply to our lives. We're going to look at Thomas. But we need to take that and let it speak to us here today. And I hope you'll uh, allow me to help us do that today. If you would, let's stand together as we read these verses of Scripture together. Thomas is only recorded as speaking in one book of the Bible, the book of John, and only in three places there. And we're going to read all of those uh, passages today, starting in John chapter 11, verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. A key word for John, and it's a key word in our study here today. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. We hear that label doubting and you kind of pick up maybe why with a statement like that. Then turning over to one of the most precious passages of Scripture in all the Bible, John chapter 14. We move from outside of Bethany. Chapter 11 takes us from there to Bethany and then back away again. We're into the last week of Jesus' life now. We're now in Jerusalem. We're in the upper room. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And you remember these words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, wait a minute. Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. 
the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And then again, if you'll turn just a few pages further or follow a few pages further in uh, God's Word, uh, John chapter 20, we're now out of the upper room, past the Garden of Gethsemane, past the uh, days of uh, Black Friday, the silence of Saturday, the resurrection of Sunday, and now we're eight days after Easter, after the first uh, Sunday, the day of Jesus' resurrection. We're eight days later. And you remember how the story goes. Uh, but beginning in verse 25 of John chapter 20, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You'll notice as we move through this passage in particular, Jesus, uh, Thomas is not using the word doubt. And as Jesus approaches him in a moment, he never addresses him with the word doubt either. It's a matter of believing and unbelief. And you may say they're similar, but there is a difference. And uh, uh, so Thomas really is not a doubter, but he's struggling with his belief and applying his faith and responding to his faith. And so he says, I will not apply my faith. I will not believe. I will not rely until I have this experience with Jesus. And then verse 26, after eight days, again, his disciples were with, uh, were within and Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. I couldn't help but while the choir was singing a few minutes ago, uh, my God will show up. My God just showed up in this story, in this passage uh, right here, showed up to the disciples, but in particular showed up to Thomas with the words, peace be unto you. And then notice in verse 27, he turned directly to Thomas. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believe. Again, no accusation of doubt, rather a need to apply faith and express faith. And Thomas said unto him, my Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for these few moments we have together this morning around your word. Thank you for our church family. And thank you for the opportunity to praise you and worship you together. I thank you for the privilege of serving here with a very unique and special and loving group of people but Lord, also to be able to serve with this entire church family. And I pray you'll bless our time together this morning as we open your word and look at it together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna rely on your memory of these events that we're looking at in scripture and just briefly highlight for you the words of Thomas and what he had to say in these three passages. And then go back and spend the remainder of the time we have to try to apply this to each one of our lives. Um, the three key words, and you see them in the, uh, your bulletin there and the outline there. We're going to look at truth, first of all. How did Thomas respond to truth that was available to him? And then hope. How did he respond to the hope that Jesus described and offered and depicted for him? And then faith. How did he express his faith? What happened as a result of his faith? 
We want to see those in the life of Thomas, but let me say to you today, you need to be thinking from the very beginning and looking into your own uh, heart and life. What truth is mine? And how is that truth impacting my walk with the Lord, my stand for the Lord? What, what am I doing with the truth that's available to me? And what hope do I have? Is there something that I have to look forward to? Do I have hope to, to lay hold on and to cling to? If so, then what am I doing with that hope? And how is it affecting my daily life? And then my faith. How is it expressed? And what difference is it making in my uh, relationship with other people, in my experience, in my everyday walk of life? So as we move through these, look at what happened to Thomas, but let it guide you into looking uh, and to examining your own life in these three areas. You remember the story in John chapter 11, the good friend of Jesus and the disciples, Lazarus, was sick, and we know from the story it was not just any sickness, but it was sickness unto death. You remember Jesus' delay, and uh, this is another instance where that song we sang uh, earlier this morning talks about, my God will show up. Mary and Martha wondered when Jesus would show up, and he showed up right on time, didn't he? And you remember the, the background of this story. But it's the words of Thomas there where he says, Jesus has delayed and now he's decided to go to Bethany to be there with Mary and Martha. He knows Lazarus is already dead. Uh, and the, the time in Jesus' ministry is such that Thomas is well aware, along with the other disciples, the danger of going to Bethany. Bethany's just outside of Jerusalem. And the threat against Jesus' life is real, has been for some time in the vicinity of Jerusalem and, and whenever Jesus made his presence known there. So uh, they're all aware of that. Jesus says it's time to go to Bethany. It's time to go to Mary and Martha. It's time to go to minister to this family in this situation. <clears throat> and when he makes that statement, Thomas, for the first time, speaks up that we have recorded in Scripture and not only speaks up, but he takes the lead. Normally, it's Peter who's taking the lead in the Scripture. Uh, and in the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. But in this case, it's Thomas. And Thomas says, let's go with him, even if we die. Again, I don't have time to spend a lot of time on this this morning and, and to uh, develop it fully, but just uh, see what, what I think is available to be seen here. <clears throat> it sounds negative. It sounds pessimistic. It sounds somewhat doubtful on Thomas' part. But on the other hand, do you see what happened with Thomas? He was saying, it may cost me my life, but I want to go where Jesus is going. The truth that Thomas knew concerning Jesus, he had built up for the last three plus years, almost three and a half years, the ministry he had walked with Jesus since Jesus called him to be a disciple. And he had seen the works of Jesus. He had seen the miracles of Jesus. He had heard the uh, messages of Jesus, the great statements of Jesus. I wish I had time for just to go through and, and be reminded of that today, but I won't take the time to do that. But Thomas had a great deal of truth that he had heard, that he had seen, and that he experienced. I think that caused him to say, I've learned based on what I know about Jesus and the truth concerning him. Where he is is where the action is. And where he is is where I want to be. And even if it's the threat of my life or the loss of my life, I'm willing to go and I'm willing to invite my brothers, the other disciples, to go with me. Let's go with him even though it may cost us our lives. And then, of course, you remember the story. And uh, because Thomas was willing to make that statement and encouraged the other disciples, they made that journey to Bethany. And when they got there, they heard Jesus say words like this, Thy brother shall rise again. 
And then to Mary and Martha, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Just kind of imagine in your mind, what if Thomas and the others had stayed back? Jesus was determined to go. I believe he would have gone without them, but they would have missed hearing Jesus say those words to these precious friends, these two sisters, Mary and Martha. And then, of course, he went on to say, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Based on what Thomas knew about Jesus, the miracles he'd seen, the messages he'd heard him preach, the impact Jesus has had on his own life, that truth caused Thomas to say, I want to go, I want to be there where the action is. And he was able to hear Jesus say these words. Of course, one of those, I am the resurrection and the life, one of the seven I am statements that's recorded in John's gospel that attributed to the words of Jesus. He was there present to hear Jesus say those words. And that's not the end of the story, of course. Just a few moments later, he would see Jesus go to that tomb and have the stone rolled away and he would hear Jesus call out, Lazarus, come forth and witness the apex miracle of Jesus' ministry other than his own resurrection, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He was moving, activated by truth that he knew concerning Jesus, causing him uh, to, to go to great extreme in order to experience what uh, would happen for him as he followed Jesus to this town of Bethany. I'm going to come back in a minute. We'll talk about it. But that's where I want you to think about. You have truth in your life concerning Jesus Christ as well. What are you doing with that truth? How does it affect your choices and your lifestyle? Your attitudes, uh, your willingness to suffer or even to put your life in the hands of our Lord. The truth that you have, what are you willing to do about it? Well, of course, the next passage we looked at, John chapter 14, Thomas interrupts the great speech of Jesus about the Father's house and about mansions and about life after death, victory over death, hope for eternity, and says, Lord, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't know where you're going and I don't know the way. Jesus could easily have said, Pastor Dad could have easily said, Thomas, if you don't know by now, you're never going to get it. But that's not what he said, did he? And because Thomas raised that question, was willing to do so. Call him a doubter if you choose to do so. But in response to Thomas' questions, Jesus said, Thomas, and I imagine he looked him right in the eye. Thomas, I am the way. It's not knowledge that you need. It's not facts that you need. It's not information you need. It's me that you need. It's a relationship with me that you need. So Thomas, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And we're going to the Father, to the Father's house where I'm going to prepare a place for you, but you can't go. None of the rest of the guys in this room can go and no man can go except through me. Thomas enabled gave opportunity for the Lord to speak that word concerning himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas became uh, motivated by what Jesus was talking about. You're going somewhere. You're going somewhere that I know I've never been. And you're talking about a, a house and it belongs to the Father. You're not just talking about God's house. You're talking about your Father's house. And that there's ample provision there for everyone and that you're going to go and prepare a place for me and for Peter and James and John and the rest and one day you're going to come and take us there to be with you so that we can be with you forever I don't want to miss that I want to know 
So I don't know exactly what you're talking about and I don't know all that I need to know and all that uh, will convince me. And so I interrupt you and I ask the question. But hope motivated Thomas to want to move forward and to want to know more and understand what Jesus was saying. And uh, Jesus responded with that powerful, precious promise. And then, of course, the third passage. Again, Thomas uh, speaks, having missed seeing Jesus on the first Easter. Eight days later, the next Sunday, Jesus shows up in the room. And if you'll just notice the passage here, this is the place where we specifically label Thomas as doubting Thomas. I will not believe. But again, that's not the label the scripture gives. That's only the label that history is given that we use in our common description of him. It's really not an accurate description, I don't believe. Because Jesus showed up in the room. He already knew Thomas' expression of unbelief and concern. And so he uh, immediately goes to Thomas and addresses him. Peace be unto you to all the ones in the room. He just appeared in a room without coming through the door. It kind of threw him off guard, upset him a little bit. And he called for them to experience peace. But then he turned to Thomas and he offered the nail prints in his hands and the, the wound in his side and said, Thomas, if you want this, then I'll be more than happy for you to experience it personally for yourself. Something I want you to think about here that I think is so important in our faith and I believe it will be important for the First Baptist Church of Pelham for every one of us going forward. Thomas had heard from others about Jesus and the resurrection. But his expression here said, I'm not going to take your word for it. I want my own experience. I'm not going to rely on my friends, the fellow disciples, or anybody else's testimony or report or faith. I want to experience it for myself, personally. And not only that, you all had an experience with him a week ago. I want an experience with him today in this moment. A personal experience with him in the present tense. Call him Doubting Thomas if you will, but Thomas expressed some great courage, some great desire, and some great faith in each one of these statements. Now I would simply go back and ask you to think about yourself. Thomas had the truth of almost three and a half years of ministry with Jesus. If you've been a Christian that long or longer, then you've got your own set of truth from your personal walk with the Lord. And most of us have more time than that. But not only that, Thomas only had the Old Testament. You and I have the full, complete Bible, God's revelation and word to us. Truth concerning heaven, concerning him, concerning uh, concerning the Father, concerning Jesus, concerning the Holy Spirit. All of the truth, you and I have it. Thomas was activated by his truth. What are you doing with the truth that's now available to you? Your own experience? The uh, truth and the revelation and the information that's come down to us in this 21st century across all these years and the inspired infallible word of God. What do you do? How will you respond? How will you react? How will you move uh, in everyday life based on what you know is true concerning Jesus Christ and God's plan and purpose for the world and God's plan and purpose for you? I think that's an all important question. And then what about hope? It's not enough that we have an abundance of truth, but you and I also have not only what Jesus said to Thomas about the Father's house 
and about the place prepared and the relationship to be enjoyed that where I am, there you may be also. We have all of that, but we have all the remainder of what Jesus said concerning the future and our hope. And then we have the apostle Paul and the rest of the writers of the New Testament, their uh, uh, interpretation and their uh, uh, illumination of all the rest of the future. Thomas Hope caused him to want to know more and to be willing to stay with the Lord. Even though he went into the shadows at the time of Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, he didn't go that far away. He was there in the upper room. He was there when Jesus revealed himself to him. And then 40 days later, he was there in that upper room when he became filled with the Holy Spirit along with the rest of the disciples. And he, along with the rest, went out. And the book of Acts tells us they turned the world upside down. It's a whole different sermon, but I think we all know they really didn't turn the world upside down. The world's been upside down since the fall of the Garden of Eden. And the message of Christ then and now is turning the world right side up. But that's the influence that Thomas and the others had. And we don't know all the the future of Thomas, but we do know uh, from history. It appears he went far to the east, maybe one of the furthest travelers of all the apostles. Probably to India, maybe even further. And there's still segments of people and people that can be identified in that part of the world today who claim their spiritual lineage back to the ministry and the witness of Thomas. Thomas who said, I'm not sure I know, but I want to know so much and so surely and so clearly that I can stand whatever uh, may come my way because of my faith in Jesus Christ. History tells us he probably was run through at the end of his life with a sword lost his life in some kind of martyrdom, some kind of persecution. But his hope for the future caused him to go forward in the name of the Lord. What is your hope today? The same Jesus who promised Thomas a place is promising you a place. The same Jesus who said, I'm going to come back one day for you, that promise is yours today. And his desire that you be with him forever is his desire for you today as well. That's your hope as it was for Thomas. How does that hope affect your everyday life? And then that upper room when Thomas fell at the feet of Jesus and declared him to be my Lord and my God. Again, we don't have time to go into that in great detail. But you need to remember the days in which they were living in that first century world already were dominated by the Roman government and the Roman emperor. And if it wasn't true in that very moment when Thomas called him my Lord, it would certainly be true before very long in Thomas' life when another emperor would come uh, into place in Rome and the only time that word Lord would ever be used without the loss of your life would be you call Caesar Lord. And Thomas here is willing to say, Caesar's not my Lord. Nobody else is my Lord. You, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, are my Lord and my God. And with that faith... Thomas went forward with the rest of those disciples and we've already talked about it, how the world was turned upside down and one day Thomas would give his own life but leave a legacy behind. That's a good word for senior adult day, isn't it? He left a legacy behind of lives changed and the furtherance of the gospel, not only in his lifetime but those that he reached and influenced uh, from that point forward. So today, what will you do? With truth, it's yours. And remember, Jesus said he is the truth, but he also makes known his truth to us. In this same upper room where Jesus is speaking there in John chapter 14, he goes on to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you know what he says? 
to those disciples and to us, he will guide you into all truth. He'll help you remember things that you forgot and he'll guide you into all truth. What are you doing with the truth available to you? For Thomas, it made a difference in the direction of his life and the destiny of his life. That truth can work in your life today as well. And what about your hope? Our hope is not in this world or anybody or anything in this world. Our hope is where Jesus is and the future he's planning and preparing for us that one day he's going to consummate. And for Thomas, that hope caused him to go forth and to go forward in Jesus' name. The same thing can happen for you today as well. And what about your faith? Is your faith based on something of someone else's experience? Or is your faith your own? And is your faith something that was wonderful as a child or as a teenager or various places down through your spiritual journey, but it's kind of grown stale. It's kind of become a memory. Thomas said, I want something for myself. I'm not relying and depending on anybody else. And I want something up to date to the very moment. And when Jesus showed up in the room, that's the very thing he offered him. It was as if he was saying, Thomas, that's what I want you to have. And first Baptist Pelham, that's what he's saying to us today. I want your walk with me to be, to, uh, with, with me today to be personal. Not dependent on a pastor, a preacher, or a leader, or a deacon, or a family member, or a religious heritage. I want your walk with me today to be yours, and I make it available to you. And I want your walk with me today to be up to date, not relying on something in the past. As precious as it is, as meaningful and as, uh, impactful and helpful as it is, it's still the past and Jesus is alive today and wants us to have a present tense, up to the moment experience in relationship with him to cause us to go forward in his name. So I challenge you to think of these three words and apply them to your life today. There are two things that need to happen now in the next few moments as we have a time of invitation. I believe in this room, this congregation of this size, there may be children, there may be youth, there may be adults. Some senior adults who need to do what Thomas did and say, I'm putting everything and everyone else aside and I'm declaring Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's my God and He's my Savior. I publicly declare it and it's going to be the stand of my life for the rest of my life. If you're here today and you've never done that publicly, you've never done that for yourself, Jesus makes Himself available to you for you to fall at His feet. Express your faith and declare him, my Lord and my God. Most of us have had that experience at some point, and it's a real experience, and we don't have any doubts about it. But for most of us, we're not living to the full potential of the truth that is ours, the hope that is ours, and the impact that true faith can have in our lives. And so for some of us, today should be a day of new commitment and new beginning. And so I challenge you and invite you to consider doing that in these next few moments. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. We're going to have a word of prayer. Pastor Davin will be here at the front and I'll be standing here as well. After I've prayed, musicians begin to sing. If you need to leave your seat and come to this altar and pray or come to one of us here at the front and share your need and share your decision. Most especially that decision to declare Jesus, my Lord and my God, then I invite you to do that. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we give these next few moments to you now. We've taken your word and looked at it and let it speak to us. But Lord, we want the Holy Spirit to make that personal and real in every one of our hearts and lives. That we 
would respond today, act today in the way that you would have us to, in the way that we need to for our own future. Bless these moments of invitation. Have your way in every heart and life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.